Welcome to another edition of the Varsity Podcast. Justin Barney, Sponge Franklin coming to you with a recap week two of the high school football season and a look ahead towards week three, including a big border classic up in Georgia that we're a part of, televising seven games, or actually televising five games on Channel 4 and then streaming the seven games on newsforjacks.com and newsforjacks.com. Plus, but Sponge, before we look ahead to this week, as we always do, let's take a look back to week two. Let's, as we always kind of start out, we we break down kind of our four games that stood out to us last week. So let's uh, let's have yours served up and uh, see what you thought about the week two of the season. Yeah, week two, uh, we we said earlier last week that the the schedule wasn't as juicy. There wasn't that. Many big time matchups, but there was a few out there that looked like they had potential mm-hmm. to be pretty good ball games, and a couple of them did live up to the billing. I think the game of the week probably would have had to been that Bowles Mandarin game, twenty seven twenty, pretty Great tight, game. pretty tightly contested. Mandarin came out really well, played hot, and then you know Bowles kind of shut them down there in the second half. Um, like we talked about the emergence of Tremel Jones and how just good he's been as a young quarterback in the city, and he's got two good targets to throw to. Uh, I. Mandarin looks really good, mm-hmm. but obviously, you know, Bowles is number two in our rankings for a reason. Uh, they're the real deal, too. Topham's got them clicking. They, they picked up a – they look like they had found a running back, right? Yeah. And so, uh, we know how good DJ's been. Nyan Burroughs, the emergence of him at receiver. Just all in all, a great, great football game. Great football game. So, Bowles was uh, was down at halftime, um, I believe it was 20 to – the 20 to 13, I believe – at halftime, and then came back in that second half and really took uh, took control in that second half. So um, a good game from Bowles in that second half. Tremel Jones just lit it up. We were talking beforehand, just the the class of 2025 quarterbacks in this area. We know Colin Hurley at Trinity Christian, but Tremel Jones, the times I've seen him, he looks like the best of those 2025 guys. Yeah, he no, looks he's, refined. He's he throws a quick pass. He's got some good receivers, got the rapport there with those wideouts. Jamie French looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Colin is there yet for whatever reason. I, I think offensive line, got a great running game behind him. So I think this is his year to really – again, he's 15, 15 years old. I think he's got time to develop. But I think Tremel Jones just looks so refined back there throwing the ball. He throws it so crisp. He was 15 to 16 against Bowles. Yeah. Against Bowles. I mean, that's not fire. a bad – on fire. That, that's not a bad team that he's playing against in uh, three touchdown passes, and he just looks so good. I know he's only going to get better, uh, but I agree. 27-20, Bowles come back in that second half. Emmett Gresman, uh, big game for him, three rushing touchdowns. So, I know we, we know Cade Pru in that offense, DJ Moore, Naeem Burrows. But Emmett last week yeah, carried yeah. that ball. And when you can – that's what we were talking about before. Who's going to step up and right. be that guy? We know that they've kind of uh, changed the playbook a little bit, spread it out. You know, let's throw it around the yard. But you got to be able to run the ball too. You got to be, you know, like we I keep saying, balanced is is the key. If you're if you're a balanced team, you know, teams can't focus in mm-hmm. on one thing to say, hey, we're going to stop, we're going to sell out to stop this run. We're going to put pressure on the quarterback. You know, you got to you got to play, you know, play play some zones and some man defense to to eliminate the passing game. And now you can find a guy to run the ball. You know, that just opens it up more for Burroughs and those other guys in the passing game. So, like, I think that's a big thing for mm-hmm. Bowles to find that guy to to have that balance to, to keep defenses on their toes. So, you knew they were going to find something. You knew it was going to happen. Tobin's going to scheme it up. And, and, like I say, they've got a big one coming up in a couple of weeks. they got a big one coming up Friday night, yeah. as we talked about with the Border Classic. 
one of the games I'm looking forward to this Friday as well. Yeah, it's so you know, Naeem did not uh, did not find that space against Mannard as he did the week uh, the week before against San Augustine. But I think you've got to if you are that receiver, and I think with that week one game against San Augustine where he had a couple scores. Oh yeah, teams people are gonna start, know they're gonna who start he is now. They're definitely going to start scheming him up and knowing where he is on the field. He's definitely circled. And film study, like yeah. saying, "Hey, this guy, we got to locate him, know where he's going, what he's doing," and teams are going to obviously key in on that. So, some other guys are going to have to emerge as well to help him out, so he can get loose again. But yeah, I like I like what Bowles has got. It seems like we say the same thing every year. Who's going to emerge mm-hmm. in those spots for Bowles? Um, and I think we're already starting to see that their defense has been uh, impressive, especially in that second half. I mean, to be able to to kind of make your adjustments at halftime and. Um, you blanket those receivers a little bit more. I mean, in the first half, they were just clicking right and left. Tramel Jones, Jamie French, Kyron Jackson, uh, just really clicking offensively. And uh, we saw those adjustments, as Bowles does every year. They make those adjustments. They're able to uh, kind of correct things and get things going. And that was a perfect example of that, kind of going into the uh, the meat part of the schedule for Bowles, too. All right, my one of my I'm gonna kind of package deal this week one game Beachside, the newest program in St. Johns County, and Tacoy Creek, the second newest program in St. Johns County, just in its second year. How about these guys? Tacoy Creek goes on the road, and I did not pick this to happen. Absolutely crushes Matanzas, 47 to 14. I picked Matanzas to win that game, and Tacoy Creek uh, football players let me know on social media that I did pick Matanzas in that game, and they uh, did not win that game so great job by Mike Kolakowski and the Toros 2-0 in their second year and how about Beachside uh, beating Fernandina Beach 17-13 first win in program history for Pete Duffy and the Barracudas they are 1-1 one one. their only loss was to Tacoy Creek in week one so hey, that's new schools yeah, no, Sponge finding two, success two, two new schools you know you know getting their feet wet just you know starting off it's good to uh, get that first win you know Fernandina Beach has been you know around forever they've They've kind of struggled in the last, you know, decade, I'd say so. But Beachside, you know, brand-new team, mm-hmm. getting the win, that's, that's huge. That's good uh, momentum builder for the rest of the season. They obviously played the new the new, the new, new guys from the season before, Tacoy Creek, and, you know, it looks like they've kind of made some mm-hmm. uh, strides uh, to be better. I, I mean, I know that uh, that, that Tacoy Creek is located. It's kind of um, right off uh, IGP right mm-hmm. there. And so, like, they're getting kids that are kind of – would be going to Nice and I guess Bartram and stuff. So right. I'm not sure who who they're pulling or whatever, but they're getting obviously getting some players over there. Second year program, I think. Uh, I was telling you before they've got a young quarterback who I think is going to be really good. Ryan Kilmer, he's like six four, he's like 15 years old and can sling it. So if you got a good quarterback, what I say, you, 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 you can you can, all, you can always be in games. So that is the key. He, he's going to get you right, and um, you know hopefully they. Uh, they keep progressing, and both of these teams, you know, the sky's the limit. When you're young, you can uh, have a good program and, and upstart and get going and get mm-hmm. some wins, you know. Challenge some of those St. John's County schools. Yeah, right. So, okay, Sponge, you're, that, that was kind of my package deal. Yeah, I guess the other game that that, that I went to, uh, went over to, to the west side and uh, Reigns came over to play Trinity. Like I was telling you before, it, it, the game was just so sloppily played. You know, yes, penalties, yes, it's you know you're still early in the season so you're making mistakes but I the one thing I can't stand is when refs get involved in the game and just mm-hmm. slug, like it's just a slug you know just the game's just taking forever there's a penalty every other play uh, the first half was like forever to play it was like seven to six it was just like all right this is a pretty good game I mean still the the score was was tight you know the um 
it was back and forth, good defense, you know, not so good offense. And then the second half was, you know, explosion of, of points. But Trinity really jumped out big in the second half, finally got some things going on the ground. Colin did throw a couple touchdown passes. And I think Trinity was up at one point, 41-14. And then they kind of took some guys out. Reigns kind of scored a couple of late mm-hmm. touchdowns to make it a, a look respectable. But 400 yards and penalties, man. So, yeah, like, that's, the that's game took four obscene. hours to play. I mean, it's just – like I say, you can call penalties, and everybody wants the calls to be made, but there's a certain time and in, in place in the game where you can kind of let some of those calls go and mm-hmm. just let them play a little bit. You know, these guys aren't in college; they're not in pros, so they're not. You know, they're not making the 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 right. You know, there might be a false start here or there, or there might be a hold. But if it's on the other side of the field, just let the play happen. You know, it's just, it doesn't dictate what's really going on. But sometimes the refs just love to be involved in the game. They got to make every call and just it really. In the high school game, it makes the game bad, in my opinion. And, and drag. Just, and drag. And drag. And drag. Like, so you, long. you know, you just want to see some action. And I'm telling you, when you get that stoppage of play, just every couple plays, just like, come on, man. Like, let's just play some football. But to me, know. the thing I take out of that game, okay, Range is a, is a good defense, a proud defense, traditionally a good defensive team. And Trinity, again, like they did to, to Ed White in week one. You know who's getting the ball. Mm-hmm. Probably eighty-five percent of the plays of the game, it's either one or two guys in the backfield, and still can't stop them. So, week one, one ninety-one, one eighty-nine for Webb and Rogers. Week two, basically the same thing. Yeah. And it, you can't stop these guys. And I, I've mentioned this on radio before, but when you know that the ball is going to a guy, there's no. I mean, Tebow at Nice. You knew he was either going to throw the ball or run the ball 95% of the time, and you still really couldn't stop him. Derrick Henry, the same thing. You knew the ball was going to end up in his hands. You had to stop him. John Wolford, same thing. You knew he was going to run the ball. He had good targets to throw to. You had to stop him. And there are players that you just cannot stop. Yeah. And even if you know they're running, they're coming right at you. Trayon Webb, Darnell Rogers fit that mold. I mean, they're triple-digit guys every game running the ball. I think they're averaging four and a half touchdowns a piece uh, in the regular season. So four and a half touchdowns a piece per game. That's just insane to me that they are able to find so much room. Teams know they're going to run the ball. Is that, from from your angle, is that because those guys are so good? They're, they're in such symmetry together that they're impossible to bring down? Or is it just that teams haven't found a way yet to, to how to play Trinity Christian. It, it's a combo of that because basically, like like you said in those other other instances, like Derrick Henry, for example, you know, when we played Yuli, we knew he was getting it 40 mm-hmm. to 50 times, and it was like, good luck stopping him. Let's just try to contain him. Let's do mm-hmm. whatever. The, the thing is what's different, and you alluded to it earlier, we talked about 2025 quarterbacks, you know, Hurley might not have found his footing just yet on this season. Uh, they're still breaking in some new receivers. But the the key is the threat of them being able to do – like if you say, all right, we are going to completely just sell out, then they will beat you mm-hmm. throwing the ball. And so I think, like you said, had teams not figured out how to do it, I think teams are going to have to – like I can't wait for the matchup when they do play bowls, you know, in a couple weeks. But, like, they're going to have to figure out, like you said, do we just try to completely just sell out and say – hey, Colin Hurley and the receivers from Trinity, we'll tip your cap at the end of the game. You guys are going to beat us. We're not letting three and four mm-hmm. beat us. And, and ultimately, I think that's what teams are going to have to try to do. I think now, so. Now, it's still trying, but, I mean, and you, like you said, you, you know what's coming, but can you stop it? So, 
you almost have to just pick your poison and say, all right, we're going to have to try to stop this. And you can't just be like, well, we'll play it this way and hopefully they won't beat us this way or that way. And, you know, then you end up getting burned. So you got to try to sell out and stop it. Like, you know, again, Derrick Henry, we're st- we don't respect your passing game at all, mm-hmm. Yuli. We don't, we're putting 10 in the box. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll load the box and completely try to stop you. So teams are going to have to say, we're going to have to try to stop these guys in another way and make the adjustments to try to do that. But then again, what you, what I think also defensive coordinators know in the back of their head, like if we do do that, then we might just get picked apart. And instead of a slow grind, we might get hit in one play and it's 80 yards mm-hmm. to the house. So, but, what what's going to have to happen is Colin and those guys are going to have to be on the same page and hit those big plays, you know, to keep teams from saying, "Hey, let's sell out to stop the run," and then you know you beat them over the top with the pass. So, again, it's it's easier said than done. Right. But like, I, I want to see some of these good defense. I mean, like you said, Reigns is a very yeah, respectable defense. Exactly. <laughs> they always have a and good I defense. Just, I couldn't year. believe that Reigns wasn't yeah, able to at least put a they, little like, bit more. Yeah, Trinity. What they do, like you just said, weeks two, one and two gashed Ed White and Reigns mm-hmm. like it was like nothing hot butter it yeah and they're, and they're not bad those yeah. aren't bad <laughs> those, teams those either. are two physically uh gifted defenses athletic defenses fast defenses and again they knew it was coming and just you know you couldn't stop it so I did I remember I, seeing a Trinity Uli game Derek senior year <laughs> and I believe Derek had about 45 carries that game yeah Ross was like literally going to that game like man we were gonna put we we're gonna sell out I don't care what we do put 10 in the box if they got one receiver out there we'll put one guy on them and it's man to man. We're putting nine in the box. We're putting fast guys, you know, to try to get bust gaps and all that stuff. And we like we tried our best. And I think that at one point we had him contained for a low, like one of his lower outputs yeah. in his career. And he ended up having, I want to say, two fifty or yeah, three hundred. That he game. still did. I'll never forget going back. A funny story. We we're up big in that game. Like that was a three, Nick Washington yeah, th- breakout. Three, yeah, that three game. touchdowns. I think we were up three or four touchdowns, and we were at our own twenty thirty, like in the fourth quarter. And, you know, V-Man goes, punt team, punt, punt. And then Ross is like, no, 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 no. Just go for it. Go for it right here on our own 20. I don't even care if we get it. Because <laughs> if we punt it, this defense is tired, man. We've been playing all night. Just let them get a 20-yard touchdown run. Instead, we punted, kicked it to about the 45 midfield. Next play, touchdown, 55 yards. Mm-hmm. We're like, we, Ross is like, I'm trying to keep these numbers low, man. <laughs> I'm trying to keep these numbers I low. I remember talking to Dormany in the locker room after that, and he said, how many uh, – how many yards did he have? And I, I, I want to say he was at 280, 300, something like that. Yeah. And how many carries did he have? I think he yeah. was at 45 carries or so. So he averaged right at five yards a carry. But, again, he had his numbers, final numbers looked great yeah. that game. Um, but he wasn't going to beat Trinity because no. the it was so one-dimensional. And they Trinity sold out that game on stopping Derrick Henry and saying, beat us with a pass. And, obviously, that – uh, Uli may have had one or two pass plays in their their entire offense and just couldn't do it. And yeah. you, and again, the Trinity Christian I think is is far better than those Uli teams where they were just one dimensional. Um, again, you had a generational one dimensional guy back there running the ball. But um, with Trinity, with Trayon and Darnell, I am just curious how teams will eventually kind of solve the Rubik's Cube on these guys. Yeah. And, and I don't know what that is because Colin is only going to get better as this year goes on. Has, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's looked average the first two weeks, I think, with rain and still familiarizing receivers' offensive line. But he's going to f- figure it out at some point this year. And at that point, I think it's probably too late to, to f- figure the recipe to stop those as long as those guys stay healthy. So interesting going forward to, uh, to see how that – situation develops over there so a couple a uh, couple more from week one creekside niece 
62-41. You surprised to Ooh, see that result? Man, I, yes and no. I mean, we've, we've talked about Nice having the struggle of week one versus Jackson, and then, you know, Stokes having to be the one-man band, carry the team mm-hmm. and all that. So, like we said, like I said before, when you score 41 – you expect to you, win a game. You would think that would be enough to win the ball game. So that kind of piggybacks off of, you know, going back to Derrick Henry and those guys. Derrick Henry might be a one-man band and rush for 500 yards a game, but if your defense is not any good, he can't play. He's not mm-hmm. tackling people. So Stokes sitting out there covering people or trying to stop the run or any of that. So when you give up 62, uh, that is a problem. I, said, I, I was talking on the radio earlier this week, and, yeah, I, I look at Tim Tebow's sophomore year at Nice. He was so good, drawing fans from everywhere, lighting up scoreboards, and Denise defense just could not stop anyone. Yeah. They could not stop teams. And they played St. Augustine, I think, in the fifth game of the year, maybe the fourth game of the year, and East and St. Augustine both undefeated. They went into that game, and Tim Tebow and Brandon James just back and forth down the field. Just unbelievable offensive display that game. You know, Tebow would do something, Brandon would come and answer. Um, I think Brandon had a kickoff return for a touchdown, punt return for a touchdown, and they scored 52 points, 52-35 game. And you, as good as Tebow was, mm-hmm. you know, as good as Marcus Stokes is, yeah. Marcus is not going to score seven touchdowns a game yeah, to no, beat teams. You it, can't. You've got to have some kind yeah, of faith you in your defense. You can't, re- you can't rely or say, "Hey, all right, well, hopefully we're going to score 40 a game, and maybe we're going to mm-hmm. outscore you." You know, but your defense has got to come to the table and say. All right, you got to score forty-two. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let this team score more than that. And then, you know, you give up three more touchdowns. Yeah, that's just, like... just crazy. So you feel for a Marcus Stokes kind of kid because that, you know, Nice was a back-to-back one-win team before last year's breakout nine and four season to the regional finals. But I said before, even before uh, you know, we got into week one, that the true test for Nice was how would they absorb all those graduation losses. And you see, you know, you hear Nice quarterback. Elite 11, going to Florida, and you're thinking, this is going to be a smooth ride for right. Nice. Yeah. But what you know, if, you you're, gradu- if you're just – When you graduate when you're and lose the, uh, the player, the caliber of players that they lost, yes. that's a big replacement. That's ben Bogle was, you know, had nearly 200 tackles last year, unbelievable tackle for loss machine. Um, Dom Henry, mm-hmm. you know, you just lost so much on that team last year that, yeah, I don't care if it's if it's a – Marcus Stokes. I don't care if it's a Tim Tebow kind of player. I mean, Tim Tebow was was Tebow, and they went five and f- five and four in games he started as a sophomore because they just could not stop teams. They couldn't yeah. stop teams. So I think you're going to have to have something if you're Colin Drafts, if you're Nice, to figure out how to stop this from really snowballing. I mean, yeah, Fleming Island yeah, this week. That, this that, is that, not. That does not. This help is not good. I mean, you're staring at likely an zero and three start. Uh, to this season with such high expectations, um, and it starts to possibly go off the rails. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't – I've seen it so, uh, very limited in high school, but at some point if you're a marquee player – and, again, I'm just absolutely speculating here, but I've seen it with high-profile players before. You know, if this season c- becomes an 0-6 or a 1-5 or you're 2-7, I mean, at what point – if you're a, a a player like a Marcus Stokes, do you kind of shut it down? Do you kind of say, okay, this season's going nowhere. I'm going to start focusing on my – you kind of pull a page out of the college bowl game right. player playbook and say, hey. And, again, I've seen this in this area in the last three years of marquee players going to big-time colleges 
when their team's eliminated from the playoffs, they make a business decision with their yeah. family, their college coaches, and you shut it down. So, again, I'm not, not saying anything about Marcus Stokes doing that, but just as a, an elite high school prospect, when you know that the next level awaits, this season is a lost cause, you kind of scale back and say, okay, I, I think – I think my career, I, you know, I think my high school career, I'm ready to turn the page. Yeah, I would hope that, you know, he, I know he's a competitor, you know, and I know he wants to win. He doesn't, mm-hmm. want, he doesn't want to lose or he doesn't want the team to be as, as bad as they've been so far to start the year. But, yeah, no, that, that's definitely a, a thing that has become a rage in college football and, like you say, even in, in the high school sport where, like, you know, you, you're making a career decision, mm-hmm. you know, versus, you know, your high school glory days or whatever, you know, there's – there's much bigger things mm-hmm. down the line. You know, you had the great year last year, and if things do go off the rails, then who knows? So, I, like I say, I, I'm hoping the competitor side in them kind of can turn the tide here and maybe, you know, get back to some winning some games and, and you know, see what happens from there. But I know the schedule, like we said, Fleming Island mm-hmm. this yeah. week, who looks really good. Um, and, you know, they've even got some other bigger games down the, down the stretch as well. So, that's a thing to watch, and I guess we'll keep an eye on. But, yeah, hopefully the competitor side in him can kind of get things going and, you know, be the leader he is and, and you know, get some wins on the, the win column. Last – okay, last game, kind of looking back, what was your fourth kind of takeaway from week two? The, the other game that I had that I had circled was uh, I wanted to see how Baker County responded, mm-hmm. you know, against a, a pretty good Oakleaf team. And that, that, that game ended up being a pretty good ball game. But Baker responded with a nice win, so – we were talking. We've been talking about uh, you know Baker County not playing well week one in the in the uh, rain shortened makeup game mm-hmm. against uh, Bradford. So Baker's one of our top teams in the area. You know they played really good down the stretch last year. You know made a great run in the playoffs as well. So it was nice seeing them get back on uh, on the winning side against a pretty good Oakleaf team. Yeah, so uh, that's that'll wrap us up from our week two look back and now kind of before we look ahead, we uh, look at our Super Ten ranking. So. I'll lead this off from uh, 10 to 1. Mandarin uh, drops down a couple spots. Reigns drops down four spots for me to number 9. Ed White back in the rankings for me at number 8 after his 26-10 win over Sandalwood. Number 7, Baker County. Number 6, Jackson. They're up a spot after a 21-6 win over Westside. Creekside after that offensive explosion against Nice. They're up to number 5. Fleming Island, number 4. No problem last week at Rickards. Bartram Trail, 3. Big win down at Seabreeze last week. Offense finally got going. Bowles at number two, still sticking there. And Trinity Christian tethered at number one for me. Yeah, my my uh, my my top ten changed a little bit. My uh, I, I flipped. I still have TC and Bowles one and two, but I, I jumped Fleming up to number three because I think they've been pretty impressive, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to continue this week against Nice. So I put BT down a down a notch to four. Okay, but they they got a big game against Daytona Beach Mainland this week. They they did get some offense going. I want to see more from them. Mm-hmm. I, I expect more from Bartram uh, yeah, Trail. I agree. Like I, said, I want to see more, and I feel like they haven't fully put it together yet, which is fine. They're getting wins, and they're, they're going to continue to get better as the season goes on. And then I got Jackson at number five. I really like what, what Foy's doing. We've talked about them a lot. I've got Creekside at six, Mandarin at seven, Ed White at eight, and then I rounded out with Baker and, and Reigns in the top ten. Okay. All right. So we, so I, think a little bit I think we pretty much got the same ten. They're just kind of ordered up differently. Little little deviation. Yeah. So, yeah, out of, out of my – yeah, I dropped Nice out after that week one loss, and um, this week I dropped out Columbia. Very, yeah, you know, Columbia's not very uh, out of character. No, right now. from a from me, you know, we've talked about 
positives and, and stuff. But for me, I think two of the most, really three of the most disappointing teams this year, Columbia to me started, I mean, in my top five, and they've now lost two in a row. Lost to Buholtz, forgivable. Yeah. Lost to Union County, a 1A Union County. Yeah, you're supposed to be that's, better. You're that's supposed not be better a good. Than, you're supposed to be way better than uh, and, Union you know, County. Union is a, they're, they're very respectable. Is a good 1A yeah, team. Always. So, but not not if you're no, Columbia as a, no as a 6A program going down there and losing a uh, very disappointing start. Expected a lot more from Columbia. Um, nice, as we mentioned, disappointing start for them. Uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball. So they got to get that figured out. They were another Super 10 team for me to begin with. And then Middleburg, to me, has been a little yeah. bit of a, of a disappointment. After starting out so well last year, they really, really slumped towards the end of the year. And you're 0-2 this year. You lose to Hawthorne week one, and then you get drummed by 20 at Bishop Kinney. Now, Bishop Kinney is a, a team, really, yeah, that's on the cusp kinda, for me. They're kind of upcoming, too. I've, yeah. I've been keeping an eye on Bishop Kinney. So, but, then, but then guess what? Who, who, do they, who does Middleburg get this week? Right. They get Bradford. Right. So <laughs> uh, so those are my uh, little bit more of a kind of a expected more from, from those three teams. What about you, Sponge? Who are yeah, I, I, would definitely, I would definitely piggyback on all three of those. Um, the only other team, you know, that we talked about last year at the end of the season, like who had the disappointing season that we were like, you know, they need to figure some things out. And the two that always stand out, First Coast and Sandalwood, mm-hmm. they're always, you know – in the past have been like two of the most respected programs, public schools mm-hmm. in Duval. And so far, I, I don't know. Have they, have they made a, a turn for better? I would say no to that. No, I mean, Sandalwood, I, not at all. Sandalwood had a, who they, did they won week one? Who they beat? Beat Rebolt, yeah, 15 Rebolt. to seven. And then they played Ed White last week and Ed White beat him with no problem. And then they got Reigns this Friday. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think Reigns probably beats them too. So now mm-hmm. you're starting one and two, which is not a good start. And, you know, first coast is, they're Oprah, I think, too, aren't they? Yeah, they own yeah. they they are own one, and they're going to Ocala Forest yeah, this which week. Which is going to so. be a tough game for them. So yeah, like, first, I mean, had you told me five, seven years ago yeah. that First Coast would be where they're at now, I would have never believed yeah. it because they were the creme de la creme yeah. of high school <laughs> teams Definitely. in the area. I mean, you missed football there. Uh, you know, DeAndre Johnson led them to a state championship game as a freshman. That game didn't go well. They lost 40-0 to Braden Manatee, but – um, you expected that, but after DeAndre graduated, it's been it's been downhill for First Coast. Sandalwood had a little bit of a little bit of a flash uh, when the uh, pandemic playoffs came. Um, they made it, and I think made it three rounds deep, but haven't been able to really build off of that. Okay, Sponge, let's talk about our top games this week. Once you shoot me your four, and then I'm going to talk some Border Classic. Yeah, Border Classic, baby, Florida Georgia Classic games. I, I've got. We, we've talked about this game already a little bit. You know, Fleming Island at Nice, you know, what does Nice do? Do they get back off the mat? They're playing a really good team. This, this is one of those games where you can say, let's rise up mm-hmm. to the occasion, get the upset, knock these boys off. But if you had a hard time talk, tackling a Creekside's running yeah. back. Uh, Sam- Nicky Williams <laughs> put up five on you, five spot on you. And Sam- Sammy Singleton might be running all over you guys. Yeah, so Mustafa I- Mahat. I mean, they've got so many weapons yeah. on Fleming and – you add the passing element to Sebastian Broughton at Trinity, excuse me, at Fleming. And I just, this, to me, this is one of Damian Springs' best teams that he's had. And he's had some good teams. I don't think he's ever had a season under 500 since he's been there. Um, you know, he had a team with Ryan Sminda. And I mean, he's had some good teams, but offensively, this may be his best one. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I bumped him up to number three in the, in yeah. the, in the rankings. And I think, I want, who's going to knock him off? And, Clay County schools, I think they're the top dog. So, I think uh, I think Singleton probably has a field day yeah, Friday. Yeah, I so agree. Hopefully, hopefully Stokes can put up some points and yeah. we'll see another shootout. And maybe you can, you know, 
score more than they can. But I think that's going to be a challenge, but definitely a game to watch. Uh, the other game I've got is uh, a rematch from last year that I know Jackson's probably licking their chops at, getting a little piece of uh, the Fletcher Senators. That was one of their losses, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of put them back where they might have been able to win that district instead of, you know, being a, a backup role. And so I know they lost that game 16-9 to in a defensive dogfight. So I like Jackson and those boys to uh, get some revenge on Fletcher. That's a Friday. good matchup. And, again, Jackson has not taken any shortcuts. That last week Westside game was its its uh, first kind of breather opponent. And, again, they only won 21-6. to So yeah. you've not really had a, a bad schedule for Christopher yeah, yeah. Foy. Again, I, I make this reference a lot. Jackson used to be a, a nine-week-a-season homecoming opponent for teams. And now – Again, Brunswick week one, mm-hmm. at Nice week two. You beat Westside week three. Now you're playing Fletcher. Uh, perennially tough place to play uh, out at the beach. So, again, Christopher Foy and the Jackson Tigers, a team that beat them last year, a stepping stone game to show you, again, there's several cuts of the Gateway Conference yeah. of teams where you've got that upper echelon mm-hmm. crust, the middle, and then just that bottom oh. rung. Uh, Jackson has moved out of that bottom rung and is really kind of trying to muscle its way into that middle rung and take that next step this season to that top top rung, which I would not have seen coming um, if you asked me five years ago yeah, yeah. if Jackson would be there. No, I, but. See, I see him busting the doors on that, that upper crust, mm-hmm. getting up there with those top teams in the gateway. So I, They've got to obviously prove it and win, you know, win these games that they've gotten on the rest of the schedule. But I think they're we, – we've you've said it. You've been a big proponent of Jackson and what they got going on. So I think – Obviously, they've been doing nothing but ascending upwards. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love what they got going on over there. Your last game of this week to, to watch out for. The last one in the local uh, side of things is, uh, you know, everybody's been kind of hyping up Riverside a little bit. They've got two kind of ugly wins, mm-hmm. but they've got wins. They're two and zero, and they're taking on a, the, the Mandarin team that just, you know, caught their first loss to Bowles. So I like. Let's see if Riverside is for real, mm-hmm. or you know what we know what Mandarin can do. Uh, personally, I think Mandarin handles this game, mm-hmm. but I, you know. You, got to play the game right so I think uh Riverside has had a nice start to the season with their new coaching staff and some of their new guys they've got just it in. makes me wonder how how authentic is that defense yeah, that I, they have and right because they've they've held teams like they've basically held nothing. teams and you know so, OJ Small in his time yeah. had excellent defenses yeah. so Antoine think, Nicholas has been a big part over, of that you think that would carry over so like that's that's what's carried over so mm-hmm. far Guess what? We're going to find out how good that defense is. Find out is. the big way this week. So, in my switching gears, um, we're putting on the Border Classic seven games uh, between Florida and Georgia high school programs in the uh, state of Georgia this week. So, um, going to be at Glen County Stadium in Brunswick. So, I think a couple games I like this a couple stand of, out. I like a couple of these matchups. So, uh, uh, the schedule Creekside at Glen Academy and West Nassau against McIntosh County. Those games on Thursday night. On Friday, we've got Charlton County UC. I love that matchup. And then Bowles against Brunswick. And on Saturday, we've got three games, including one from out of our coverage area, but I think could be the best game of the bunch, Fitzgerald versus Madison County. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2A state champ Fitzgerald, 1A state champ Madison County. Great clash there. Uh, Richmond Hill versus Baker County. And then St. Augustine versus Coffee. those three games on Saturday. A couple games I love in this from our, from our viewing area. I love the Charlton UC game. They haven't played since 1993. It was my senior year in high school. I remember that game. Charlton absolutely wrecked University Christian. And they're 5-0 and all-time against UC, so I love that matchup. It's a little bit of that old Florida-Georgia kind of north-south um, mm-hmm. flair. 
and those two schools have that history. David Penland, the third UC's coach, was a ball boy back on those uh, those teams. So he's going back as a coach, trying to get the first win uh, over Charlton in UC program history. He did the he did that against Bowles. UC had never beaten Bowles. He beat them in one of our border, or excuse me, one of our uh, in our Bold City Showcase events. So see if he can knock that out. I love that matchup. Mm-hmm. Creekside Glen Academy. That's a very good matchup. Creekside coming off sixty two. Yeah. Dropping 62. Offense, offense has been clicking they so far. They have been clicking so far. And then one I really like, the headliner on Friday, Bowles against Brunswick, two unbeaten teams. Um, I've seen both of those teams this year uh, in person and like both of those teams. Spoke to both the coaches already this week. They are pumped up for that matchup. The TV element, I think, adds uh, another layer of excitement. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a darn good matchup. Yeah, who you like? Who you, who you, uh, you, that's, that's you, like a, I say, you've got, you've got to see up close and personal the Brunswick boys. And then I know you've watched Bowles. You know, I haven't got a chance to see just highlights and mm-hmm. clips and a little bit of uh, film on both of them. But I haven't really got to see them in person. I like, so who, I, who, I like Bowles in that game okay. just simply because I think Brunswick, and even talking to Garrett Grady uh, earlier this week, they make – so many mis- they've made so many mistakes that I know they'd like to have back and, and get a shot at doing again. So I, I like Bowles. I think they're, again, nothing is Brunswick coaching staff, but I, I think that Bowles network of coaches, yeah, yeah. the infrastructure's been there. They oh, know how to sure. scheme, um, and I do like that. I don't think they make, you know, I, I go back to the Brunswick-Jackson game in week zero for uh, Florida teams, and they had two in-zone interceptions. Yeah. You just can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do no, that. They beat the Jackson by, by 10, 23-13. So, um Again, I think Bowles just for the uh, the chemistry aspect. I like them. I, I've seen them both weeks of the season, and very impressed both weeks of uh, of the year that, that I've seen Bowles. So I do think Bowles gets a slight edge in that game. But man, uh, South Georgia football to me is such a great viewing yeah, environment. Totally, it blows everything away. It does in it's this like, area. Talked, Not even close. We talked about this last year. You know, just environments in high school mm-hmm. football and. We kind of just don't get that in in Duval sometimes that, you know, some of the, you know, the, the stadiums are like big and stuff, but like, you know, you go to a, you know, a Wolfson Mandarin game mm-hmm. and Mandarin's going to show up, but Wolfson's been so bad, the stands are empty. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to even, go back to like a Reigns-Ed White game, those games will be packed out, and, and but it's not packed out like it was back when Lido and those guys, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like standing room only. You know, it was standing room only at the Trinity Reigns game because that game's going to draw. And we talk about, like, Baker County mm-hmm. in our area where how it's the only show in town. So, Baker County fans show up. You know, we talk about the Clay and St. John's County because it's more of that, I don't know, community feel. That mm-hmm. There's not as many schools. And so, like, the fans really show up and make it for a great game day experience. Well, that's always in Georgia. And it, in the Brunswick Stadium, it seats about 10,000. A huge jumbotron there, brand new beautiful turf field. There's a huge band. It's really, I mean, the the end zone press facility or you know, kind of the uh, kind of the nerve center there of the stadium is just absolutely beautiful. Reminds me of like a small college yeah, facility. Yeah, for sure. So it it is just, I think, when players go up there and experience that, uh, you know, Jackson in week one, them being on the field and working out. I heard Coach Foy telling his players they put their, mm-hmm. you know, they step in their mm-hmm. pants the same way we do. Because yep. it's just, it's so overwhelming for, especially for a Duval County team, to go up there and see that environment. Because, in, in, again, yeah, you're not playing the it. players. You're not playing any of that here in town unless you're going to, like, if you go to play at Bowl mm-hmm. or Trinity or, or, you know, uh, one of the St. John's County teams who's going to put together a good crowd. Right. 
you know, they don't get to experience that type of game. So and this like, is a primetime experience. Um, yeah, like you say, adding the TV element makes it fun for the kids. You know, they, they get that first little bit of like, okay, a little bit of a TV mm-hmm. exposure, you know, get some interviews and all that good stuff. So that adds a whole fun element that I, I love the fact that we do that here is, is to put those games on TV. So, yeah, that's, uh, that will be interesting. So, remember, all seven of those games will be streamed at newsforjacks.com, newsforjacks+. Plus. You can check out all those games uh, if you're not near a TV um, online. And the three games on Saturday will be televised live on Channel 4. And uh, the late games on Thursday night, which is Glen Academy, Creekside. And then on Friday, Bowles, Brunswick. Those games will be televised live on WJXT Channel 4. Thanks for joining us for a Week 3 edition of the Varsity Podcast. And uh, Sponge Franklin, Justin Barney will be coming to you again next week for recap on week three of the season. Look ahead. Thanks for joining us.